What is crack a lacking Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Pavalli coming at you this time with my fantabulous friend and longtime colleague. Clearly not a longtime friend, though. Just a longtime colleague, recent friend. Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report. Follow him on Twitter at GT underscore Hughes. He is here because we are going to, I don't know what the word is. We're going to plunder or plow through division look ahead so that we can cover every NBA team, what to expect from them in free agency in advance of free agency, which starts June 30th. So before we get started though, Grant, the most important question, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well. I, I would, I think, I don't know about plow. I think we're going to um, meander in a controlled fashion as or as much control as we can muster because of how our conversations tend to go uh, through free agency. So let's go with meander. Do you, how do you feel about meandering? I think meander is good because it's like, we're going to try and be coherent about it, but we don't watch the games. We don't know enough about every team. We don't know what we're talking about. Uh, so meanders, we're going to tr- controlled chaos is what we're all about on this podcast. Yeah. Chaos sounds scary though. You know, see, this is a perfect example. We haven't even started and we're already wasting time. Uh, as a refresher, we're, we could go long on every team, but because this becomes dated anyway, like free agency news cycle changed everything. We're aiming for less than 10 minutes on every single team. Doesn't mean we're going to get to everything, but we're the general elements of their free agency and offseason is what we're looking to tackle. Grant and I did our biggest question for essentially each of these teams. There were a few teams that we didn't cover. I think it was during a playoff elimination point. So you can go back and check those pods. But if you're wondering why we didn't spend 80 minutes on your team, it's because we, we have 10 or less just for anyone who's wondering. And with that said, we're beginning with the Pacific Division. If you didn't read the podcast title, which respect to listening for this without seeing what the title is, that's true commitment. And alphabetical sounds right, or did you want to go in in some sort of win loss order? I feel like alphabetical, it's risky for us. Right. But isn't that part of like the, the, the danger that we might jump from Golden State to Sacramento as part of the charm of this podcast? I think I think it's important to take risks. And I think for us, Proceeding alphabetically is definitely, it's a gamble, but I, you got to stretch a little bit, you know, you have to face your fears. So I think we should go alphabetically, um, but just with the caveat that like, we probably will get it wrong at some point. So we'll begin with the Warriors and the last housekeeping note is I'll begin each of these teams with just a quick run through of key free agents and what their best spending tool will be. And with that, Grant, we're about to be on the clock. Are you ready? I'm nervous, but I'm ready. The Golden State Warriors, the NBA champion Golden State Warriors, no less, which is why Grant is just euphoric right now. He's in a muscle T-shirt. He's really he's really feeling himself after that Warriors championship. Key free agents, Gary Payton, second, Kevon Looney, Nemanja Bielitsa, Otto Porter Jr., Juan Toscato Anderson. Uh, You can throw Damian Lee under there if you would like as well. Uh, Jordan Poole is also extension eligible, as is Draymond Green. But Jordan Poole just being on his rookie contract, those are the extensions we care about the most. Their best spending tool, it will be the mini mid-level exception uh, if they want to use it. So Grant, um, what are you watching for um, from the Golden State Warriors in free agency? Well, so I, th- I think Andrew Wiggins is extension eligible too. He is, um, excuse me, I apologize. So he, he and Poole are, are, uh, are on the hunt for, for the bag, as they said, like 20 minutes after they won the title, which is kind of concerning as a Warriors fan, uh, but they've deserved, they've earned it. Uh, you know, you win a title, you can ask for whatever you want. I think my main issue is, you know, and this is where the team is headed. I think in an ideal world is how many of the guys that are free agents, uh, are they going to bring back? And I think ideally like all of them would be the answer because, you know, especially with respect to Porter, uh, Peyton and Looney, those guys are, you know, key players at key spots um, that mean a lot to the team. And, you know, instead of being concerned with like, can we, it's not realistic to upgrade those because those guys just, you know, they contributed to a championship. The idea for them is that the organic growth of the young guys kind of offsets, you know, maybe you don't get the same level of production from those three guys. You want them back anyway. So you're not going out looking for major upgrades. Um, I think it'll be difficult to keep all of their free agents. I mean, even down to like, Bielitsa would be nice to have back because he had his moments and he has specific skills that are hard to find. Um, and he made the minimum. So um, all these, a lot of these guys are going to be in line for raises. It's going to be difficult to bring some of them back without getting up to like 400 million in payroll plus tax penalties. So it's just for this team, it's a question of like, 
what's your threshold for spending? Um, and, and do you think you can do any better than just bringing the band back, which, and I'm skeptical that, that they can. So, so that's kind of my, my macro, uh, you know, overlook of this team. Yeah. If they want another checkbook win they're they're <laughs> going to need to bring back the band, like you say, and look, if they don't care about the money, which we know that they invariably will, Joel Lacob can say whatever he wants. Every team governor has a threshold on what they're willing to spend. Gary Payton II, something I didn't realize until Daniel LaRue pointed out, I forgot they signed him last season. They have early bird rights, which means that they can pay him basically more than the non-taxpayers mid-level exception is what that's going to amount to. So you can keep, I would guess, Gary Payton II if you want to. You can obviously definitely keep um, Kavan Looney. You have his whole bird rights. So like those are two guys that if you want back, they'll be back. And that will yeah. be where the criticism sort of lies insofar as if there's any, were they willing to pay to bring these guys back? Um, Otto Porter Jr. is more difficult. I don't, they can only go as high as the mini mid-level exception. So like 6.3, 6.4. I don't know if he gets more than that. I think in a wing starved market, I could see a one or two year deal from another team in which he would get the, um, a, a multi-year deal where he does get the full non-taxpayer. Um, I'm, I'm wondering to you though is, and I, I think this is part of the, the calculus, what do you expect if you were to guess in terms of extensions and who they're going to bring back, what happens this offseason? Then how does that impact what they actually need on the free agent? There's like, I don't, that's a bad way to phrase the question. There's so many moving parts here where it's, if you want them to get another big, are you assuming that Kevon Looney's leaving or that James Wiseman is going to be a net zero next year? And if you're not getting Otto Porter Jr. back, is this something you go outside the organization to try and find another cheap combo forward wing, whatever he is, or are you banking on Kaminga and Moody? Um, if you don't extend Wiggins, what does that say? Like, do you need to then just put a contingency wing in place because he's your most important wing defender who could technically leave the following summer? So what are your sort of, you know, if I had to, starting with like their core free agents, GP2, Otto Porter Jr., Kevon Looney, Bielitsa, uh, JTA, who among those do you expect to be back? I think... I think Peyton and Looney, Looney specifically, because just the, I mean, I think he's so beloved and has been there for his whole career and just had this like, for him, sort of like a kind of, this is going to sound so stupid, but like kind of like a magical playoff run for him because he's just like, he just wasn't, uh, you know, thought of as like a key figure. He was like a stopgap center, a ceremonial starter. Draymond would finish every game. He Draymond would play at the five in all the minutes that mattered. And that just wasn't true. Looney like sincerely won them playoff games. And so I think combine all that, he's the most likely to be back at, at, and factoring into that, you know, non-stretch centers just aren't going to get paid that much. Looney is a switchable center though, still, which is, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think there are a lot of teams that could use what he does. Peyton, I think, is also fairly likely to be back. Um, he's super hard to replace. He's such a weird player. I think a lot of teams would kind of struggle to fit him in as well as the Warriors do. Um, Porter, I I could see Porter just because he fits anywhere um, at the at the wing position. He can shoot it. I could see him getting, you know, an offer that the Warriors kind of look at and say, I think maybe Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga are going to play enough quality minutes or better minutes to offset losing Porter. Um, so like, yeah, totally agree. The, the moving parts, the, the theoretical improvement of, of the rook of the young guys makes it difficult to understand, to know sort of, you know, how high a priority do the Warriors put on retaining any of these guys? Cause you're invested in James Wiseman still like, sorry, but you are. So you really going to spend, you know, let's say eight, nine million dollars on Kevon Looney, which is going to cost you like four X, five X with the tax penalties and have Wiseman be like your third center on the depth chart, depending on how you still feel about Draymond. So I do think I just to summarize Peyton and Looney, I think are the highest priorities and the most likely to be back of those, of all those guys you mentioned. Um, and Porter may go. And then, but ultimately I think they're pretty confident that they'll, they can, if they lose those guys, they're going to backfill with the young guys playing more and playing better and just finding minimums elsewhere. Yeah. Which is why I don't think it's center like another, because I expect Looney to be back. And so that feels wrapped up. Like if you can't get the elites back at the minimum, it'll be someone else. And so I think that they need to focus more on perimeter players. Do you have any free agent targets that you were looking to see them go after? 
Well, for the for sort of the porter replacement, we're talking minimums, I think, just generally speaking. I don't know that it's a lock that they'll use the mini mid-level uh, just because of what it's going to cost, you know, for with tax and everything. Um, you know, like your Wes Matthews, Abdel Nader, Tony Snell. Like, I think, I think, you know, TJ Warren is someone that would definitely not be available for the minimum. But if you could, I don't know if the cards fell in a favorable way and he was available for the, the tax pyramid level, obviously, like, that's a risk you might want to take given his basically two years off. I think the Warriors can afford to do that. Um, with the guard stuff, if you lose Peyton, you just need to find the lockdown defensive guard, I think, because that's a sort of an integral piece for this roster. And you're again kind of scraping like Chris Dunn, I think is someone you want to look at. Howell Neto, <laughs> underrated defender, can yeah. be your like third guard. Um, Michael Carter Williams has not played for a year, but someone like that that can just just go out there and defend because that's really all they ask Peyton to do. He just happened to be a great cutter and made some corner threes. But things, you know, things like that, I, I think you, you really are looking at guys that just have real niche skills that, that you want to fit in there. Yeah, I guess I've always up. I think GP2, maybe he's not the most likely to return. I think he's their most important free agent, even more so than Kavon Looney. Um, the names I have for them, I don't know that all these would be minimum names. Derek Jones Jr. would be interesting here. I don't know what his market is. Uh, Torian Prince, I think, would have to be like a mini MLE guy or at least like part of it. I don't know what the Wolves are willing to pay him, but he would be, I think he'd be great for the Warriors looking at how he can hit threes and just like a body defensively, not a great defender. And then the other one, my final one was uh, Utah Watanabe, who's just like sort of a do-it-all wing, big wing that hasn't played a ton um, and probably a little bit slower at certain points than the Warriors might like from their wings. But I don't know if Toronto is going to give him more than the minimum when he wasn't part of their their rotation. Howell Neto was a good name, though, if you're going to lose GP2. That feels like someone who might be uh, available within the Warriors' price range. I mostly don't expect a very eventful offseason from this team. They don't even have contracts to trade and there's no urgency to make um, win now like moves because they just won. Like they are winning now. Right. Um, very quickly, among the two most important extension eligible candidates, you can loop Draymond Green in here, but do you foresee an extension for Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins or who do you think is most likely to sign one? I think Poole is most like, I don't, I don't think they're going to talk about an extension for Green at all. Um, I mean, it'll be a short conversation. I mean, Clutch might, but I, I don't know. Clutch that is going to talk. There's not going to be a lot of uh, reciprocation on that. Um, I think Poole is the one you probably will be most likely to see. And, like, it's kind of scary to imagine a $100 million extension for him because, like, he, he's an extreme one-way player. And not to say he can't get better, um, but uh, but you just sort of have to do that because I think he's just – the potential for him to be an even better offensive player is very realistic. And, and I think you can find defenders at other positions and, and you can get away with a small guard being a bad defender. Curry was that early in his career um, and has improved not to like, it's unfair to compare anyone to Curry growth trajectory wise, but it's doable. Wiggins, I think, I don't know what I put the Wiggins extension odds at below pool above green, but I'd say, uh, I'd say it's probably like less than 50% that they extend Wiggins. Um, just, they want to preserve that salary slot. I think that's important, um, mm. but they don't need to extend him necessarily to do that uh, because they'll be able to retain him, you know, using bird rights going forward if he gets to free agency. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think it's probably more likely than not they extend pool just because what he provides or his peak is harder to replace than, what Andrew Wiggins is doing. And I think the Warriors very much believe that they could just plug and play wings in Andrew Wiggins being like a prime example of that. We were less than a minute over our time limit on the Warriors. Congratulations to us. That brings us to the Los Angeles Clippers uh, key free agents for them. Uh, they've already extended Robert Covington. So he's off the board, Nicholas Batum. They have early bird rights on him. Amir coffee is a restricted free agent. They have full bird rights on him. And probably the most underrated free agent or what definitely the most underrated free agent, big Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, he is a non-bird free agent and was spectacular for them. Their best spending tool, if they want to use it is going to be the mini MLE. However, they also have two sizable trade traded player exceptions. If they want to use them, there's the one that they got from the Rondo deal. That's a 8.25 million. It expires on July 18th. So they would need to use it this summer. And then there's the Serge Ibaka one at 9.3 million that will expire around the trade deadline of next season. Um, what are you expecting from them in free agency? Uh, any like thoughts? Well, do you even think that because of the TPEs, 
that they just might end up being a little bit more aggressive than a team in their tax situation normally would be. Yeah, I think they really strike me as much more of a, a trade kind of in terms of like how what sorts of transactions are they going to utilize to improve the roster, which is in theory, it's super good if you get, you know, all the big guns back and everybody's set to go. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're a legit contender to me that I think they just need, I think Reggie Jackson's solid, uh, you know, Terrence Mann, not really a pure point guard. I think they need an upgrade in sort of the playmaking department, um, especially if you're banking on Kawhi Leonard missing X number of games, just price that in. You're going to need someone else, I think, to supplement Paul George. So I kind of, I look at guards, playmakers, whatever position, but specifically point guard types that, that as their free agent targets, I, I think, again, to going back to the sort of the avenues to improve, I think are really trades. Like they're, they're among the few realistic Kyrie Irving trade destinations, just because they have several salaries that they can throw together of quality rotation guys like Kennard. Uh, Jackson, I'd throw him in there too. Norm Powell, uh, Marcus Morris, like they have ways to cobble salary together uh, for not necessarily Irving, but sort of whatever bigger name might shake loose. Um, but free agency, I don't really expect to be a major sort of avenue for improvement for them. I don't know if you feel differently. No, I'm with you. I, they, maybe they go, I know they like to play small, but maybe they go out and get another uh, big, just because I would assume that Hartenstein leaves uh, and you still have to fill the minutes behind Zubats if you don't want to go small all the time. And you could find a, a quality big, uh, not, not probably not one that's going to be as good as Hartenstein, who I think might get the non-taxpayers mid-level, by the way. Uh, but you can at least maybe fill those minutes and then just commit to playing small. I would also agree that in addition to the TPEs, like they have, they're the rare team with an excess of wings. And I feel like they could view Marcus Moore Sr. as sort of the odd man out. If you're bringing back Covington, you brought back Covington already. Kawhi and Paul George, you're hoping they're healthy. Um, even if you bring back Amir Coffey, who I'm, I think he's one of the more underrated free agents as well, can you use Marcus Morris Sr. to get different guard help? I proposed, and Clippers fans didn't hate it. He's not going to give you a ton of passing or rim pressure, but Jordan Clarkson for Marcus Morris Sr. Cut your tax bill. Jordan Clarkson is a player option that he probably declines next year, I would guess, at this point. Could be more flexible there. The other thing I wanted to throw at you, and I think we're pretty much in the realm of trade targets here because I just don't know, you know, if you want to try and sign like a, like would Rubio go to you um, and you're just fine not having him until the middle of next year. I think even names like DeLon Wright probably more than will cost more than the mini MLE. Tyus Jones is definitely getting more than that. Uh, I consider Dennis Schroeder for them looking at that. I just don't know if you're going to go that route. Like I would prefer more of a game manager than someone who's just going to give you scoring juice. And that's what also makes their situation tough. This is a name that's been thrown out. And this team, my guess is they want to duck the tax based off what they've done. And I'm not saying they would do this, but Monte Morris does fit into that Serge Ibaka trade exception. I don't know if while the Clippers can trade a first round pick in 2028, like could the Nuggets sell them on like if they protect the hell out of that pick or something and go after Monte Morris, I the only reason I'm considering it is because Denver seems like they really want to cut costs in advance of having all these mega deals for the foreseeable future on their books and sort of mitigating their risk against that MPJ deal. I wouldn't do it if I'm, I want to make that 100% clear. The, the Clippers though, based off how they acted at a trade deadline when they weren't like a contender because they weren't healthy enough to be one, they don't seem like afraid to spend in that regard. And so that's why the TPEs could be really valuable. And even just like, you know, the Knicks are hell bent on sort of fucking up their future again, because it's, it's the Knicks and um, life, death, the Knicks fucking up their future. Like, I guess they don't have players. The Clippers would necessarily be interested in, in that way. Derek Rose doesn't fit into a trade exception. Nolan's Noel does, but that doesn't really help. Alex Burks is just outside of that range. Um, so that might've actually been a bad example, but there are going to be teams that you have to imagine are going to be looking to dump con certain contracts. And like those trade exceptions are, are big enough for the Clippers to, to actually maybe get someone who would be a part of their every night rotation. Yeah. I mean, Morris would be, I mean, just as good as you could possibly do. I think, I think for what they need for, for the money, for the, the options they have, 
Um, cause otherwise, yeah, I, I had Delon Wright listed as someone I was thinking of, but I agree with you that he's, you know, he, I don't know if your tax pyramid level is going to get him. Um, the other, cause, cause then you're really going like the Goran Dragic level. Like we're going to bring Rondo back or just like, I just, I don't, I don't love a lot of the other options. And like, this is a luxury, right? Cause you know, Reggie Jackson is, is fine. Like they, you know, if you have that full roster healthy last year and Reggie Jackson is your starting point guard, I think like, I think there are not a lot of teams that are looking forward to playing that, you know, that version of the Clippers if they don't do anything, but, but yeah, I think, I'm trying to think of other teams that might be looking to duck the tax, but yeah, I do feel like Morris is really, cause look, Denver has, we'll get to this in the Denver section, but you know, I think Denver believes pretty strongly that Bones Highland is, you know, especially with Jokic as your primary ball handler, if Bones Highland is your point guard, like you're good. And Jamal Murray's back. And so you have plenty of, you know, playmaker shot creators, Morris kind of becomes expendable. And I think more broadly, I think, there are, it feels to me, I've heard the opposite said, and I disagree. It feels to me like there are a lot of teams that need a point guard this off season, and there are not a lot of quality options. So that's why like Malcolm Brogdon and D'Angelo Russell are just in every trade rumor and Tyus Jones is probably getting overpaid. So Morris, I think is a real, I mean, I don't know if you're going to get the most for him sending him to LA into a trade exception, but Morris is someone I think that could be hugely valuable for Denver, not just because it'll get him out of the tax, but just because he could bring a decent return. Yeah. The other name I thought about for, and it would be a TPE thing. And we know that this team is going to be pinching pennies uh, was Cameron Payne. I don't know if he, they would consider him enough of an upgrade, but the previous, not this past year, but the previous season, he made strides as a yeah. playmaker, like an actual playmaker. So I could envision someone like that helping him. Um, and like I said, in terms of the bigs, like I, you could shoehorn like almost anyone into here because I think they're going to play, positionless i would say like 20 to 25 percent of the time if not more and that if it's you know what does thomas bryant go for not really gonna help your defense but he's coming off an injury um didn't play much last season after he came back from said injury so those might be names but this team i think there are gonna be fireworks is probably the wrong word but they feel like a team that's going to be more active than most teams in their situation would be I think they are more than more so than any other team are the one that's ready to tell the Warriors and they're like 350 to 400 million tax, but like, hold my beer. Like, I think the Clippers have the, the, the drive and the means to just like, you thought the Warriors were paying a lot. Okay. Let's, let's, let's get this Balmer money out there and see if we can get to like 450 million in cap and tax. So do you think they'll use their mini MLE then? Oh yeah. I think so. I don't think that, I think they care less about money than any other franchise warriors included. I think they're, cause if you think too, like how long is the, the Paul George Kawhi Leonard window going to be open, you know, like it, it, it may be shut already, but I think they're going to spend as much as they possibly can to see if this year and next year, maybe they have something. They're going to be no worse than the second most popular title bet next season. Cause I, I'll, the warriors might be first, which mm-hmm. fair, maybe some people consider the bucks, but I think the Clippers are going to be top two there. I, it would be, I thought about Thaddeus Young for them, but I don't know if then you're putting too many eggs in the positionless basket, but if you could get him for the mini MLE in Toronto and want him, my guess is Toronto's going to pay him more, maybe over short term. That would be interesting. But the Clippers, are, I'm more fascinated by them. I want to see them use at least the Rondo trade exception, but Monte Morris, when I came up with names that could fit in there on a different podcast, he wasn't on there. Then I saw kind of what the Denver Nuggets were doing, and I was like, oh, yeah. So that's where I'm at with them. A far less interesting team to me, at least, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, their vitals are they don't have any vitals, but for real, their key their key free agents, you could boil it down. Malik Monk is the most important one. He's non-bird. Uh, Carmel Anthony is also non-bird. And then Austin Reeves has a 1.6 million non-guarantee that I am going to guess if they haven't guaranteed it already, which I haven't seen per reporting, they will. Uh, so really just Monk and Anthony. I think even Anthony's more replaceable, but I, I felt like his season was not underappreciated, but it was he was not part of the issue in LA. He did exactly what they would have needed him to do. They just had no idea what the fuck they were doing overall. Uh, they do have a Mark Gasol trade exception worth $2.7 million, which I'm only noting that because they're so limited in what they could spend. Like if there's an opportunity to go out there and get a player who fits into that, uh, you should in theory use it, but... Uh, the Lakers are a poor-ass franchise that might not. Their best spending tool overall is that mini mid-level exception. And the question looming over all of this, it doesn't need to be the first on point, is will they trade Russell Westbrook? 
are, would you include a first round pick or two to do so? Uh, is there even a scenario in which you attach to first him and get someone back? But what are you really looking at? And they need almost everything. I think yeah. um, they could use supplementary ball handling still. I think their biggest needs are just complementary defense and shooters because that's how you're supposed to build a team around LeBron and AD, contrary to what the, the Lakers did this uh, last offseason. Yeah, I mean, like my overarching thought is that and this will never happen because I think, you know, most of that front office is probably tied to the length of LeBron James tenure and Anthony Davis. But I like, I'm trading both of those guys. I, cause I just, I'm blowing the whole thing up. Um, this thing, this is beyond the scope of a free agent, you know, look ahead, but like, if you hit home runs on like with, let's say you sign guys that are, you do as well as say the Warriors did with your minimums, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you find Peyton Porter, Bielitsa, um, you, so you got three, you, you hit, you hit three bombs with, with your minimum guys. And these are rotation players now. Like that's still not, you still have one of the worst rosters after your top two players in the league. So yeah, like, yeah, I would try to tr- trade well. But so if we're not going to blow it up, so I guess, yes, you've got to throw your first round pick in there with THT and, and none and try to move Westbrook for whatever. Like, I, yeah, I guess. But but you, realistically, he's going to be on this roster because just there's no positive value trade uh, from another team's perspective. I don't think that would take him on. So you just have to you have to absolutely nail the the mini mid level signing, which I, th- I think they'll use it like you just sort of have to. It's, you know, even though, as you said, they're not one of the you know, big spendy franchises, despite being in LA, they're like a family operation. It's not, there's no Microsoft money behind the Lakers. Um, and by the way, that we, you need to get away from that where the teams can no longer be like, that's their sole source of income basically, because then you have situations where the Lakers are applying for a, a government backed right. small business. Gotta get that PPP <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forget the mom and pop hardware store around the corner. The Lakers need help. Uh, I don't know. Like I, they need everything. So like, where do you even start? I, so the, so what I was looking at for just say the mini mid level, like Bryn Forbes, cause you just need someone that's going to make shots and run around. Like, I mean, how bleak is that? You know, if you want to on minimums, I like someone like Joe Ingles where you might get like a couple months at the end of the season out of him. And then he's able to make shots and distribute a little bit in the playoffs. If, if you make it, which is, that's the other thing you can't just necessarily operate like we got to be ready for April and May. So we'll take some risks on like Rubio or Ingles or whoever else is, is, you know, not going to be a full season player. Cause you just won't make it in the West. So it's, it, they're just, I mean, they're over a barrel. Like what are you going to go? Damian Lee would like start for them. Uh, you know, can you get him for the minimum? PJ Dozier is another like, you know, injured guy that maybe you, you throw him out there and he can be like a seventh guy. I don't know. Um, I would, lo- I would love to hear if you have better suggestions than I do. Cause mine all suck. I approach it like this is who do I think the best free agent they could realistically sign was or level of free agent they could realistically sign Malik Monk is actually probably their ceiling. Um, non bird though. I don't think they're going to use their mini mid level to keep him. And so if he's back, I'm calling shenanigans like with Nick Batum and the Clippers to where there was that mm-hmm. wink, wink. Oh, we'll pay you when you have your early bird rights. Um, but aside from Monk, I think you're looking at a Gary Harris or a Torian Prince or an Otto Porter Jr. Like that is the ceiling of guys that I could see if you're throwing your entire mini MLE at them, they'll take it. I think more realistically than that, you mentioned Damian Lee was a name that sprung to mind is like those guys, they have distressed value or undefined value. Can you get minimum? And they're very plug and play at both ends. Um, Can you pay them and just slot them here? And look, some of the names that are being mentioned for the Lakers, like they're not like realistic because of just what they could spend. Uh, you could loop TJ Warren in here if you wanted as well. Just I don't know what his market's going to be like, but if I'm indie, I'm willing to keep him if all he's getting is the mini MLE. So the something that's related to this though is there have been reports that Kyrie has told the Nets he would sign for the MLE with the Lakers. And I guess if I go back and forth because Kyrie Irving is just notoriously full of shit. Mm-hmm. So like I wouldn't, he's a disinformation like believer. So I wouldn't believe what he's saying. That being said, like that is their, like if it, that is their saving grace, if they luck into something like that, where there's a player that really forces his way there to where maybe you could even move Russell Westbrook. I'm just given how in the now NBA teams focus, even if you attached 
2027, 2029, and then swaps in 26 and 28 to Russ. Like, is there even a team that will give you a player back for him? Because, yes, it's an expiring contract, but it's $47.5 million. Yeah. I know your question's rhetorical. <laughs> like I because I don't I mean, no, that that's the I think so the the Kyrie thing, just to touch on that, like that the simplest explanation is that is a pure leverage play. That's not like a novel like a ter- I would be like, I dare you to I'm I'm yeah. not a big fan yeah. of teams calling players bluff, but I Kyrie Irving is like the biggest cartoon ass person in, in the league. So just I would be yeah, go ahead. You you take you take the mini MLE from Los Angeles, maybe they could get. Look, if they get rid of THT, none. You open scenarios where you could give him the full non-taxpayer. But, yeah. like, that's 10-plus million. Kyrie's never been, even before the whole COVID stuff, eminently available. So, like, if you're him, you have to want to lock down some form of long-term money. Yes. You also lost your Nike, um, like, signature shoe deal or signature shoe, whatever it is. So that had to cost you money. And I think he lost, like, 15-plus million in salary last year. That has to matter even to him. And I think just as like a macro point, it's so appropriate that like the best way forward for the Lakers is some star just deciding against most logic that he wants to be there. Because that's like the only way that they've built anything in the post Kobe era, right? Like LeBron decided to be a Laker. That's how you get Anthony Davis. That's how you get a bunch of other guys. Like that's, that's how they're good or were good. And so just banking on another guy doing that is so on brand and perfect. And so it just, it really, what it does is it masks like in most of LeBron's tenure, the front office has just like, just totally stepped in it. Like it just the, the decisions have never made sense. So like, of course they're, of course their best way forward is just like, essentially someone still believes in Lakers exceptionalism and wants to be there. Like that's, that's the real, that's the reality, like approaching free agency in a normal fashion and just like, you're not going to get anything. That's just, that's just, they don't have the assets. That's just what it is. Yeah. And it's just like, even some of the minimum, like guys who might be available for the minimum, like like a Dwayne Dedman is a backup five. Um, or I guess they would play him next to Anthony Davis, um, knowing what, how the Lakers right. like to like to roll. So it's, I feel like it ha- it has to be an eventful summer for them. They have more than half their roster spots to fill at this point. I think they did a nice job with who they drafted at number 35. Um, they now have Scottie Pippen Jr. and um, Sharif O'Neal or whatever sure. his name is, Shaq's son. So uh, they're still pl- they're still they're still recruiting um, or going after the big names and in that way. But I don't I don't know what to expect from them this offseason. If they're not willing to include a first round pick in a rush trade, though, my response is Russell Westbrook will will be a Laker next season. Yeah. I think that's the most likely outcome. I just, I'm with you. It would have happened by now if it was going to happen. Is Kyrie wearing a little Lakers jersey next season? Yes or no? No justification, just yes or no? No. That feels like a good time to move on to the Phoenix Suns, who are just like, their offseason has all of a sudden become like uncomfortably eventful to where you didn't want it to be. But their key free agents, obviously DeAndre Ayton, restricted, Bismarck Biombo, non-bird, JaVale McGee, non-bird, and also Ish Wainwright, who is just like super intriguing as like a, almost PJ Tucker type player. Uh, he is a non-bird restricted. They also have Cameron Johnson, who's extension eligible. I'll be shocked if he gets one because Robert Sarver is super cheap. And it seems like they want to keep their options open in terms of trades. Their best spending tool, if they're going to use it, is the mini MLE. Uh, they like sneakily have a ton of holes they need to fill all of a sudden because you need another, you need a third ball handler and creator one who can run lineups without Chris Paul and or Devin Booker, but maybe also one who's big enough to play with them. And Cameron Payne did not fill like check that either of those boxes as capably as he did the season before uh, you figure out what's going on with Aiton. And if you are signing and trading him is paying JaVal McGee, who I assume you can keep because a uh, 120% raise off 6 million should be more than enough to keep him for a season. But like is McGee and like Bismarck Biombo, like without like, is that, adequate filler if DeAndre Ayton is leaving. And then I also feel like I know they have Shamit and I know they have guys who can hit threes, but they need like a high volume, like three point shooter. They could also use some additional rim pressure. I know it's not supposed to be this huge concern, but I do think it's kind of come back to bite them now on a few different occasions. Um, I'm still high on them. If Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to be there, but the DeAndre Ayton restricted free agency path, looms over all this. And I think it ultimately is just going to determine the course of their off season. Yeah. I think that's obviously like item one on the list. Although like in terms of 
finances, Devin Booker being eligible for the Supermax extension now is like, yeah, that's a, a good point. It's a big deal too. Um, but, but yeah, you so, offer that by the way, right? I'm I not fucking around. To, like you offer Devin Booker, the Supermax. Yeah. Even if you're the Suns and you, you are not habitually, you know, jumping, jumping at the chance to spend, like you can't, I mean, like you just can't mess around. I, I don't think. Um, I have like no questions about Devin Booker being in the class of player that's worth that going forward. Um, so for Aiden, I just, since we're doing this the day after the draft, it, I think like the Pistons freeing up money, but then also drafting a center that they really liked kind of, I don't know what that does for, for Aiden's options in terms of the offer sheets he can get. It feels to me like, I think, I think it, so if you had to guess, I think the two most likely options are a sign and trade. And I think the miles Turner for Aiton works, um, even with base year compensation issues, I'm fairly sure my, my math is right on that. Um, or he's going to come back at less than at a, at a number. He doesn't, that's less than that five one seventy seven that he's been eligible for forever. Um, so I think if I'm the Suns my goal is to, to sign it into a long-term contract and you can trade him down the road if you want to. He should theoretically be more valuable, you know, retain his value at the very least if you've got years of team control uh, over him. If you're an acquiring team, that's going to matter. Um, but I don't hate the Miles Turner sign-in trade, um, especially if Aiton is going to be the version of Aiton you're going to get in, in addition to like the kind of scary, he doesn't really, he's playing video games all night. I don't know how much stock you put in that type of thing, but in addition to that stuff, like if he's just kind of, you know, whatever the closest thing is to a malcontent without being like outwardly like mutinous, like that would kind of suck for the Suns next year. If he's just, he's got his, he's got some money, but not enough to his liking. And you're just not getting the best version of him. That's not ideal if you're trying to win like immediately. Uh, so I don't know. That's the toughest situation. I, I I'm curious, what do you, how do you see, the eight and things shaking out if you had to like rank the the likelihood of outcomes i think he's most likely to leave now and i wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago uh detroit getting jalen duran i think in the draft hurts his market uh but i I, if i just say the most likely team that i think ends up poaching him or there's a sign and trade framework there i feel like it's san antonio Hmm. and it's been very clear that he wants to go there or his his camp wants him to go there uh, they will have cap space. We've seen DeJounte Murray linked um, to trade rumors now. I don't think if you're getting DeJounte Murray in a eight and sign and trade, you are also giving up a lot of other stuff. And let's make that clear. In addition to that, I would explore that though, uh, because like DeJounte Murray is not that much older than DeAndre Ayton, but if the Spurs are shifting timeline, like I originally thought it would be Josh Richardson, Jakob Pert on the number nine pick would be the ceiling on their offer. They could also just sign him outright if they wanted to. They could get to the that number but you're worried about the Suns have to match. If no team is going to engage and sign it and he just signs an offer sheet, you match because you can't let him walk. I don't care if it's a, if it's a, yeah. if it's a max deal, you match. Um, but I do expect that DeAndre is going to be signed and traded. If I had to pick the team, most likely it's the Spurs. The Pacers were a good one. Um, and I do though wonder if Miles Turner, yes, he's cheaper in the interim. How much of a cheaper number are you getting him for than eight and moving forward? Because he, uh, like, from eight, like it doesn't even seem like the Suns want to pay a center 20 plus million, at least under their current salary structure. I don't think there'd be as big a drop off defensively as some people believe with Turner to Aiton. He's better on the perimeter than I, I think people give him credit for. And he is a better straight up rim protector. DeAndre Aiton's probably just like can make more complicated head on a swivel reads. The offensive drop off, I also don't know how big that would be because. Aiton like never truly explored the self-creation. He's going to be a better offensive rebounder and has better touch around the basket. So I think his, his skill set is more expansive. And I know miles Turner fancies himself like a post-up artist. And uh, when he's really not, I just is, if I'm Phoenix, I think I'd rather pay Aiton match an offer sheet than get just Turner. Like what else is a part of that deal? And, and that's not just like, again, the immediate drop-off I don't think would be that stark if at all, I just really don't, trust them to be like, Oh, and then we're going to keep miles Turner as long as Sarver is running that franchise anyway. Um, are there any other teams that spring to mind as like a potential Aiton destination to you? I mean, I, so even though I, what I just said about the Pistons, I, I don't think drafting a rookie center necessarily precludes you from, from going after just, just signing it into an offer sheet and seeing what happens. Cause like clearly 
you can you can move during if you need to like you know it, it's just there are options there i don't think i should you should rule them out but the other thing is like the base year compensation stuff if you're talking sign and trade is really tricky uh there are not a lot of guys that would make sense in terms of how the money would fit and would phoenix actually want them um and i don't know if any of the other cap space teams nothing no no so no short answer is there aren't a lot of teams that jump out and that's why i think um the turner thing again just to I don't want to keep harping on it, but like, I think actually it's possible that because of the way Phoenix operates, the fact that they might lose Turner in free agency after a year is like more of a feature than a bug because you can save the face of like, Hey, look, we got this guy for Aiton for a year. And maybe that's as wide as the window is going to be in, in Phoenix with Paul's age. And then it's like, yeah, you know, we couldn't keep him. It just didn't make sense. And I don't know, there's, there's sort of, it seems like a Phoenix thing to do potentially is like, that's actually a plus that you're going to, you get someone that makes you look good in the moment. Aiden didn't want to be here. Uh, you save some face and then, you know, you maybe contend again, or maybe you go all the way, who knows, Turner adds a lot. Um, and, and then he's gone. So, and then you save, you've saved the money. You didn't have to spend a maximum. I don't know. So it's hard to know with how Phoenix operates. Um, we did kind of gloss over the, other concerns you mentioned, but, but I actually, for the, for the playmaking, like get to the basket stuff. I think if you have Booker and Paul, you can stagger them a little bit and you just hope you get good campaign instead of bad campaign. And then maybe Shaman makes some shots. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I actually think like uh, Jalen Smith would kind of make a lot of sense on this team. <laughs> oh, <come laughs> Which on. Is like my favorite subplot. Okay. We're going to talk about Jalen Smith real quick. Cause I was looking at the numbers and so like, yeah, granted it was like 20 some odd games, like 500 minutes with Indiana last year, but he was good. He was a good player in Indiana and it's just insane. It's he's played. So that 500 ish minutes is like half of his total career minutes. So for half of his career, Jalen Smith has been a good player. Uh, so he's going to come up a lot as we go through who should teams be looking at as free agent centers, because I just like, I don't understand what happened. What, like, why, why did Phoenix give up so early? Why? Like I, he clearly has some skills. I just, I don't understand. So I just want to mention that Jalen Smith should be someone they really wish they still had. Uh, I, I can't bring myself to look at the Jalen Smith would make a contribution on, on this team. Uh, he did have a good like spin in Indiana, but let's be like semi-realistic here. I don't I'm on Jalen that. Smith Island. This is official. The flag is planted. I do agree with you that you don't prioritize. Like, if you're trying to get the ball handling upgrade with what you could spend, this has to be a, a – I say ball handling. Like, a, just a playmaker, like, shot creator upgrade. It has to be via trade would be my guess. Are there any free agent targets that actually stand out that make sense uh, to you for this team? I thought Thaddeus Young, I don't want to keep throwing that name around, but if they wanted to downsize, and it seems at points – like, they did that with Charts a bunch um, before the season since he was obviously injured – could you go that that route? Uh, I don't think you could get Chris Boucher for the mini MLE, although he would be for, perfect for this team too. And it's also tough to understand because their needs shift a lot if DeAndre Ayton's back. You're yeah. not – yeah, you're focusing on – if you bring back JaVale McGee, done. Like your center rotation is whatever. Um, you could, I guess, have more plug-and-play wings if you wanted to get involved in some of those sweepstakes. Um, I just don't – what's weird about this team is they, they'll, they'll be so good if they run it back. I don't look at the free agent targets that are realistic for them and think that's the one that they need to go after. Right. Like unless, you know, I think PJ Tucker is going to be out of the price range. Um, I think Otto Porter is someone they should at least look at. I Boucher was on my list. I think Bielitsa, like if you're not sure what you're going to get from Dario Saric after the ACL, I think Bielitsa replicates a lot of that. And I think, I, you know, I, although if you're, you're, I don't think you could justify spending an exception on, on Bielitsa. So you'd be looking at the minimum. And if the minimum is the offer, I don't know why he takes Phoenixes over the Warriors, uh, for example, or just any number Playing of time, maybe depending on if Aiton's there or not. Yeah. Yeah, sure. He could have a bigger opportunity. That's for sure. Cause he'll be like, you know, depending on what Looney does fourth on the center depth chart for the Warriors. Um, but I would be, I think Bielitsa is going to have multiple, so like whoop-de-doo multiple offers at the minimum, but maybe a few, maybe a few above that. So, you know, it's, it's tough. I agree. I, I, I think, I mean, look, but look, they won more games than anybody last year. Chris Paul probably had COVID in, in the playoffs and that was like the biggest problem they had. So this isn't a team that needs a huge amount of help. I think you just hope campaign is, you know, two years Better. ago campaign and, and you figure out the center stuff. I, 
the, just to put names on this, the three that I would like to see them get as sort of jack of all trades, like could fill different holes depending on what the lineup is that night or who has it going. Either of the Martin twins. I know their games are a little bit different, uh, but like just guys who are going to be able to hold their own on defense. They shot just well enough on three point on modest three point volume last year to to get going. And I think that the secondary passing that both of them provide, um, maybe you trust Caleb or excuse me, Cody Martin there a little bit more than Caleb. I think Cody might actually be more gettable too because the Hornets are cheap. And so if you're yeah. giving the mini MLE and restricted free agency, do they match? And then Amir Coffee, I sort of alluded to him before. Uh, he they gave him more ball handling responsibility in LA last year, and I think a lot of people realize. And he was able to work really off the dribble, do some pick and roll initiation. Those would be the names I'd probably like to see them uh, just go after. But everything is just contingent upon what happens with Aiton and if he's leaving, what are you getting back for yeah. him? I th- just a couple others. I think, you know, he's not a playmaker, but, and well, he'll come up a lot. Daniel house, I think is someone just like you throw him out there. He's, you know, basically was Utah's best defender down the stretch of, I mean, wing defender. Um, and we haven't talked about Victor Oladipo. I don't know what he's going to get, but like, if you're looking to I was take assuming a shot, non-taxpayer, do you think that's unreasonable for him? I think that's probably, I don't think he's getting the full mid-level, right? Like you just can't do that. So yeah, I mean, I, he's someone that, you're just, it's, you're, it's an upside play. You're hoping that the further removed he is from the injury, but then uh, that also cuts against like one of my great tenets of NBA player acquisition is you never take the guy that just sort of like looked way better in Miami because right, right, leave right. Miami, it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, so rule, rule Caleb Martin off your board too, as well. Right. Oh no. Yeah. If he stays in Miami, I'm all in on Caleb Martin, but if he leaves, I think he just turns back into what he used to be, which was a guy who had to sign a two way. Very quickly, because we're over on the Suns, is DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix to start next season, yes or no? I'm going to say yes, because I think the Suns will just match and then worry about trading him at some point down the line. You're just you're not as spicy as Stephen A. Favalli, who predicted <laughs> that he's leaving. Uh, our final team in the Pacific, the Sacramento Kings, uh, they're key free agents. There aren't many. Jeremy Lamb, if you consider him a, a key free agent, and then Dante DiVincenzo, who is restricted. Uh, Trey Lyles has a team option that I would decline if I were them, but that's just, you know, their notable extension can- or their most notable extension candidate, uh, Domas Sabonis. The, I think the raise that they can give him is probably going to be a lot less than he can, thinks that he can get if he hits free agency in two years. I really kind of think it's, given what the Kings gave up for him, you absolutely offer it. And for him, when you're looking at, oh, okay, the 120% raise off of like your, what your salary number is, that's actually probably fair market value for him when you're looking at $25 million a year or whatever that ends up being on average. So I would take it if I were him. I think the Kings are going to offer it and he won't take it though. That's just my gut feeling. Um, so there's that for him. And then their best spending tool is the non-taxpayer MLE. They could like have negligible cap space, but it won't even be as much. They'd have to jump through a bunch of hoops if they want to have more than that $10 million spending tool. And there, I, I think their needs, even after getting Keegan Murray, like they still just need wings and defenders, um, preferably wings who can shoot because you have Sabonis and Fox now that you're running the offense through. So you want to dot them with as many spaces as possible. And then the other thing for me uh, is, do you have a good front court partner for Sabonis? I guess you could consider it, Harrison Barnes, but I think you need like additional four power there. And where's Rashawn Holmes getting traded? And for all this talk about my guess is I feel like mid season, there's going to be a mid end contract that Toronto has signed or has on its books. And they're going to be the team that gets Rashawn Holmes. Uh, It just makes too much sense on the court wise for Toronto. They don't need to go after this flashy big that costs you Gary Trent Jr. or OG Ananobi, but are there teams that could come in and uh, swoop in and, give up value for Rashawn Holmes. I, I was shocked he got paid as little as he did last summer, but he is, he's a wasted asset. And I think his, his value declines. It declined the minute you acquired Sabonis because those two can't play together. Well, it declined more with Keegan Murray. Cause I think in a perfect world, Keegan Murray is going to play some minutes at center too. I don't know. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big question, you know, coming out of the, the draft is like, you know, he, I, the rap on Murray is that he's a very capable on-ball defender and has some switch in him and, and all that stuff, but like not quite sure that he's he's actually a guy you can play at the five against a lot of lineups. But like, I don't know, the league's only getting smaller, generally speaking. I, I think there's a real path forward. Like it's possible that that Murray is someone that spends minutes at the five when Sabonis is not playing. Um, so yeah, Holmes is a total, like Holmes, I mean, Charlotte, even with Mark Williams having been drafted to play center, like Charlotte is a, like a 
it's just like a no-brainer destination. There's a million of them because Holmes is a like a, I don't know, a mid-tier to like lower third starter, I think, um, that I'm has a couple than, like than you. solid skills for like, you know, backup money, basically. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a factor. Like the thing though, this team's biggest need was, is, remains just quality wings in between the Fox, Davion Mitchell, and then Murray Sabonis bookends. Because And Harrison Barnes, I don't think Harrison Barnes is a wing anymore. I think Harrison Barnes is a four. Um, he'll be fine. Like he's a smart defender. You can, they're just going to have to use him on the big wing threats. And that's just how it's going to be, but that's not optimal positioning. So like they just, I don't know where they go. I think I for sure they're going to target auto they're, First of all, they're going to target every warriors free agent there is. Cause that's how the Kings operate. Like they, they go for the coaches, they go for, you know, just everybody that comes from the Warriors. So Porter, I think is someone to look at Damian Lee for sure. I actually love but, Otto Porter jr. There though. I absolutely. actually very much well, like Otto that. Porter works everywhere. Like it just, you know, that's the, the idea of him anyway. Yeah. This yeah, past season is Otto Porter for sure. Yes. I mean, the, that's the thing is Porter is not going to be as good wherever he goes as he was with the Warriors, just because they, you know, they managed his minutes. They asked him to do only the things he was good at. It's just, it's the difference between being on a team with a bunch of good players and not. Um, but yeah, Damian Lee, they're going to, I, for sure they can look at him. He's a little smaller on the wing side, but like, I would rather play him than Mo Harkless. I would probably just as, just as likely want to play him as Justin holiday. And like, what else? That, that's it. That's, those are the wings. Those are the wings that they have. Um, DiVincenzo is too small, I think to really be like your, you know, you go, you go guard, whatever. I also I don't know what his market is going to be. Do you think he's going to get more or less than the bigger MLE type money? They don't need to use that. I want to be clear to sign him, but yeah. ten million a year or less. Well, I think it's going to be less because um, I don't think anyone's going to offer him the full mid level, and the Kings are going to look at that and say like, "How's eight? How's you know nine? You know, mm-hmm. the, I think it'll be under that. Um, he could really return a lot of value on that if he could stay healthy and develops a little bit, but um, he's just you know he's a third guard. And that's just kind of what he is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think they just, it, it sucks. Like every team needs wings, but the Kings really need wings. And there just aren't a lot that they're realistically going to be able to get beyond the ones. I don't know. Do you have some more that, that you like to fit there for? Um, well, very quickly, I will say if I were them, I would offer Otto Porter the bigger MLE. Maybe it's like shorter. Maybe it's the two years rather than mm-hmm. three or four. I would absolutely do that though and see if he bites because I think he's a perfect fit there. I thought about Kyle Anderson for them, but because they could use some secondary playmaking too. When you look at the, like I, you have Sabonis and Fox, but like, do you trust Davion Mitchell to be like the floor general? If, if Fox is off the court, I guess you could trust Harrison Barnes for some self-creation. Um, this is tangentially related to the free agency targets. I don't understand the obsession with John Collins among Kings Twitter. Like where there was the talk about Barnes for Collins. I actually thought that made both teams, maybe Atlanta, like the fit, made more sense, but like Barnes isn't a great defender. And then right. for the Kings, Collins and Sabonis, like, yes, in theory that works, but that would be a turnstile defensively. Even like Collins is probably, look, I'm going to be honest. I think Miles Turner covered up for Sabonis so much. John Collins is a better defender than Domas Sabonis. That's where I'd be yeah. at with. Um, yeah. I, I like that you just, that wasn't even a doubt for you. So not, I, I'm, not, not, not controversial at all on my end. <laughs> um, and, but like, it's weird because they have more like spending power than, most teams, but I don't know if there are names out there that might be worth funneling it all into because the wing market is so like barren this summer. And I'm wondering if for them, even though they don't have, you know, I, I mean, you have Rashawn Holmes, like, can you get Kelly Oubre Jr. from Charlotte for Rashawn Holmes? Like, I know they have Mark Williams, but is their center position really set? They have Kai Jones as well. Um, they're looking to cut money though. So maybe that wouldn't be the route that they go. It feels like if they're going to get a wing or there would, there would have to be like a big for wing trade involving Rashawn Holmes for them. Because I just, aside from Otto Porter, I'm trying to think of the three, four that I would give the bigger MLE to. I even thought a little bit about Victor Oladipo for them, but that mm-hmm. sort of feels like two. if you could get him on the, the bigger MLE, I might just consider it for the talent upside play, but it does get a little dicey with, what need did you actually fill when De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis are there already? Uh, I would have loved for them to have gotten involved in the De'Anthony Melton sweepstakes just because he's essentially a 3 and D wing who sized like a guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you bank on Davion Mitchell showing a lot of improvement with his jumper, and he did have flashes of that 
during his rookie year. It's just weird because I, if you wanted me to give you like minimum type wings, like I think Utah Watanabe could work for them. Uh, Damian Lee would be, you already mentioned, would be absolutely fine. Uh, if they're going to spend money though, like make it be, I would go with probably Cody Martin or Amir Coffey. Like if they're going to try and throw some of their MLE weight around, those are names that stand out. And if it sounds like we're regurgitating a lot of the the same names, it's because there are so few wings out there right yeah, now. Let's do it. <laughs> Right. And um, so like, that's the route I could maybe see them going like, and if you're going to just, I don't know what, how much better it makes you, but Torian Prince, yes, in theory, offensively works with you. There's just, I don't know what wing, and I'm calling out a Porter wing. He's like a big for, for what the Kings need most, there might be like one or two names out there that are worth piling your full MLE into. Yeah. I, I, again, and and the issue too, is it's not just, they need wings. Like, because if you're going to play Sabonis, Fox, I think Murray can shoot it. You know, Barnes can shoot it. But I, I think if you're bookending a team with Sabonis and Fox, Sabonis doesn't shoot threes. Fox has had one year where he shot threes well, otherwise has been really bad. You you're, you can't, It's it's got to be wing that can shoot. So then you're even, like, it's even scarcer out there. So, like, and if you're going to spend the MLE, like, is it, again, to regurgitate names, is Daniel House worth the full MLE? Like, no way. I don't think so. But you like he's one of the very few guys on the market that could sort of tick all those boxes, because I think there's there's a case to be made that like they might need to be looking at like Rodney Hood or like, you know, in the Hood, Nader, Snell, like that kind of lower tier. The problem with when you add those types of guys that are just real on the margins contributors to a bad team, it just doesn't usually like they're just not usually the best version of themselves. So it's, it's tough. There are a lot of names, but the trying to match up like what the guy's actually worth with what the Kings actually need. It's difficult to find sort of the sweet spot there. And they, they almost need like a true wing because you have Keegan Murray and Barnes. So you don't want to skew too much towards the four. Yeah. Like, like you can't Gary play Porter. Harris, I know you he's can't small. Play Porter with Murray and Barnes. That's just like, there's not enough foot speed there. I don't think Gary, yeah, Gary Harris is a good name for sure. I think this, I will get to this in the Northwest, but if Gary Harris is on any team other than nuggets, I'll be surprised. <laughs> uh, I thought, well, yeah, we'll get on that, the different one. But yeah, the Kings offseason is interesting. I think for them, they're probably a little bit more fascinating on the trade market than free agency because they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be a team where you're surprised that, oh, they bagged that name mm-hmm. for like the the big ram. Like, yeah, it'd be great if uh, Nick Batum decided he wanted to go there. Uh, it'd yeah. be really, it'd be really funny if they wound up spending more than the minimum on another big because they're planning on trading homes. And so like, do they get in the Hartenstein sweepstakes thinking, Oh, we could Hartenstein shot. He shoots floaters and he shot some threes last year that he could totally play with some bonus. Uh, I didn't, I was, didn't understand the transfixiation with John Collins, to be honest with you. Um, no, and you're like, it. yeah. So Kings, uh, I didn't hate their move of the draft, by the way, as much as other people, I still made fun of them for it because I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt, but Keegan yeah. Murray seems like he's going to be a, a perfect fit there. So Oh, I did, by the way, consider Chris Boucher for this team, though, because one, I love Chris Boucher, and I'm also of the mind like you need like a real if let's just say Rashawn Holmes is a high volume shot blocker, but he's a pretty okay rim protector. If the intention is to move him, or you know you can't play him with Sabonis, you you need like a shot blocking presence who can play alongside Sabonis, and Boucher chucks enough threes that I think it would work. Final final Kings prediction. The o- or I guess a question, the over-under on Warriors free agents that the Kings have on the roster next year is 1.5. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the under. Okay. I'm going to go over just so we can have something to look back on. Grant, this was great. Thank you so much. You're able to f- tell our listeners before they just hear your voice again on the next podcast where they can find you and all the great work that you put out slash maybe some of those infrequent tweets that you throw the mess i bet if i went to your twitter profile right now you this is why you should follow grant he's not going to spam your feed no. i bet if i went to your twitter twitter profile right now your last tweet would be probably hardwood Knox related oh for sure yeah <laughs> listen i support the brand i i and and yeah you can find me uh on the next entry on your whatever podcast feed you use uh on hardwood Knox probably and uh gt underscore hughes on twitter um, if you want, you know, for some reason you can't figure out where to find Hardwood Knox, just check my Twitter feed because it's like 90% uh, retweeting Dan and Hardwood Knox accounts. So, you know, I stay loyal. 
We will catch you in the next episode, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow all our social handles, YouTube, join our Discord. All the links are in the podcast description. And until that next time, we leave you with a shout-out to the one, the only, the conference finalist, Frankie Okino.